If you turn in your Bibles to James chapter 4, we're going to go there. We're going to review in just a minute. But I want to let you know something while you're turning in or on your Bibles to James chapter 4. That not only is Life Group kickoff next Sunday, all right? So come repping your team. Uh, come hungry. We're going to have some uh, tailgate stuff. It's going to be a great time uh, to be here uh, for all three services. It's going to be great. Um, but I, will, I got something that I, I really feel like God has kind of laid on my heart that I really want us to do. And we have this phrase that we use around here at Radiate called, um, and it says this, nothing eternal happens without prayer. And we just believe in prayer. It's a value. And so beginning on September the 1st, uh, we're going to move into 21 days of prayer uh, from September 1 to September 21. And here's the kicker, right? So how many of you guys... Um, will sacrifice for certain things. Like, you'll do certain things, right? You'll get up early, you'll do what you got to do, right? Well, we're going to have a day of prayer every weekday at 6 a.m., from 6 a.m. to 7 a.m. right here. I know some of you have to get your kids ready for school and all that stuff, and uh, we're going to stream it out too, but I don't want you to use that as an opportunity to miss. I'd love for you to be in the house. We're going to have a little bit of worship we're going to have some corporate prayer, some individual prayer. It's going to be a great time. We're going to pray over certain focuses every day. As you know, there's not a shortage of things to focus on in the world right now, is there? And so we want to take some time to pray over that, pray over our cities, pray over our county, pray over our church, pray over you. And uh, so I want as many people as possible to commit and say, I will be there from 6 to 7 a.m. Uh, whenever the, you know, during those 21 days of prayer. And if you can't make it, you can join us online. Uh, for that experience, but we really want you to be here in person every day for those uh, 21 days. The only day that we won't have that is Sunday mornings because we'll be here <laughs> and we'll be spending that day in prayer as well. And so that'll be a focus. So I'd love for you to be a part of that September 1 to September 21 with us um, beginning those days. It's going to be a great time. Hey, listen, so we've been in this series called Paparazzi, right? Papa, Papa, Paparazzi. That needs to be our theme song, PC. We should have been playing that the whole time. He's like, yeah, no, no, we shouldn't have at all. Um, and so we've been talking, uh, we're on James 4, and so we've been going through the book of James, and so we opened on James 1, uh, James chapter 1, and uh, what James 1 talked about was mature Christians. Um, mature Christians are paid. <laughs> you all right, your buddy? You okay, buddy, buddy? You all right? Okay, see, all right, there we go. Mature Christians bring the table up on time and don't bump into the pastor. We, uh, hey, hey, LJ, hey, LJ, I don't need this. You want this? You want this? There you go, buddy. Hey, oh, probably shouldn't do that. There you go, buddy, buddy. Whew. All right, so James chapter 1, we, um, we, we talked about mature Christians are patient in trouble and affliction and things are going to happen. It's how we, not what we go through, but how we, Handle what we go through. I love you. You're amazing. That's how I handle it. All right. And then James chapter 2, um, we mature Christians practice the truth. All right. So they practice their faith. They don't say it. They practice it. James chapter 3, which was last week, mature Christians realize the power of their words and their tongue. And so we've been one, two, three. Guess what chapter we're going to today? James 4. And so I'm really excited um, about what's going to take place today. There's this thought and this idea right at the very front, right at the very beginning of the message today that I would love, absolutely love, uh, for you to write down and, and live out throughout the week because I believe it's, it's going to be a game changer. I believe it's a game changer in your life and, and, and I really, I'd love for you to write this down. 
it's, uh, it'll help you as you go. It's if we, if we want to cling to Jesus, we can't cling to anything else. If we want to cling to Jesus, we can't cling to anything else, right? And, that's, uh, and so I want you to write that down and make sure that you've got that. And uh, y'all got that, right? Some of you are like, there ain't no way. I don't know what you said. I don't even know what you look like anymore. Like my retina is burned. I don't, I don't understand. You know, and then and, and like, I need you to write that stuff down. Y'all got that? That's, no, nobody got that, right? Our team has been working really hard this morning, LJ included, to distract you during the message, during the service today. Because <laughs> somebody said it worked. Because the reality is, how many of you guys are ever distracted in life, right? You ever? You ever? Yeah, we, we go through distractions, right? And it's really hard to pay attention to one thing when you're distracted by five million, aren't you? Isn't it? it would, you couldn't understand what I was saying, even if you tried. The funny thing was, I looked out at you guys, and, and, and this is what everybody was doing. The only person watching me was Pastor Chris, because he was like, I know what's about to happen. I want to see what's about to happen. I want to see how he's going to handle it. Right, he was staring at me. You, you don't even know what I said. Because there were so many other things vying for our attention, trying to get our attention focused on one thing. And, 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 and if you've ever felt distracted, you know that you can miss what you're trying to focus on when everything else is trying to get your focus. You ever, you ever been driving down the road and you miss, you miss your exit on the interstate, right? I had the opportunity to go speak to Erskine football team the other night, and y'all, I never knew that the woods like that existed. I'm just going to be quite honest. And uh, I had a friend of mine, Mike Bell, was with me, and we were riding down there, and I was focused on this gas station I saw, and I was like, I wonder what would happen to me if I pulled up and went in there, because I, I don't even know if it's open. I don't know what's going on in there. And it was, it was like, you know what I'm saying? Like, things get your attention. I saw this rundown building, and I was focusing on that. I was focusing on gas station. I was focusing over here and all this other stuff, and I missed my turn. And so I pull in a parking lot, and I go to turn around, and here's what, here's what Mike said. He said, hey, listen, you might want to be careful, because something happens to us out here. Ain't nobody going to know about it. <laughs> and he was right. But I missed I had to turn around in a parking lot and go back to my original turn or my destination because I was what? I was distracted. I, I get distracted a lot. Pastor Travis alluded to it. Like, you just get distracted sometimes. And I want to I talk to you today about distractions because the reality is, the reality is God wants our focus. God, God doesn't want second helpings. God doesn't want the back burner. God doesn't want what we have left over. God wants our Focus. He wants our full attention. See, he wants our relation, our relationship. And maybe you're in the room and you're married, or, or, or maybe you're not. And, 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 and if you're in the room and you have a significant other, l- let me ask you like this. How amazing would your marriage be if your spouse got all of your secondary attention but none of your primary? How amazing would it be, man? It'd be so good, wouldn't it? Like, it'd be arguments all the time. It'd be so good. And it, it would just be like you'd, you'd go to sleep with your backs to each other in the bed. Like, it's so amazing, right? No, nobody would say that. Because when you get your secondary attention, it shows the other person that doesn't get your primary attention or the other thing that doesn't get your primary attention, they are not of value to you. And God looks and he goes, I value you so much. 
as an individual, as a person, I value you to the point, to the extent that I want your primary attention because I gave you my primary attention. The Bible tells it like this. We love God, watch this, because he first loved us. God didn't look at the earth and go, oh, okay, all right, I guess I'll just kind of give them attention and love them whenever I can. No. God said, I first loved you. Ephesians says it like this, that before the foundations of the world were created, we were created. We had a purpose. We had a plan. God had purpose in our lives. He thought of us so much that he created an earth for us to enjoy and to live on and live our purpose out. He loves us so much that he gives us an amazing church like this right here to come and be a part of, right? Come on, make noise in that moment of the sermon. <laughs> he gives us an amazing church. He gives us amazing friends. He gives us life groups to plug into. He gives us coaches to get on Zoom calls with because that was absolutely real. <laughs> right? All, all this stuff because God loves us. See, you didn't... I, I just want to remind you of something today. And it's this, that you're here for such a time as this. You're not here on accident. God knew how old you would be today. God knew what would be happening in the earth today. And God still chose to say, I need you in the earth in the midst of one of the most tumultuous times that you'll ever encounter. I need you there because you're going to make a difference. That's, that's loving somebody. God wants our purpose. God wants, I mean, our, our attention, our priority. In James 4... It's the fourth part of a letter to followers of Jesus that are scattered all over the place. And it is a plea from the half-brother of Jesus, the, to, from James, to fight the things that are begging for our attention every single day. Now listen, I said this right at the beginning. The truth is, I don't think there's anything wrong, because I want to clear this up, because people inevitably, every single time walk out of these messages and they're like, Pastor said I shouldn't ever watch football and I shouldn't like go anywhere and I shouldn't do anything and I should sit in my closet with my legs crossed and I should sit there and fast and pray and that's it. No, I think we enjoy the earth. I think we enjoy what God's brought us. I think we need to enjoy our spouse and our kids and our friends and our church and our, and our, our co-workers and our, all this stuff. But the truth is, is does that get our primary focus? And James is going, hey, there's going to be a lot of things, a lot of things in your life that are going to beg for your attention and they're going to want your attention. And I just, I just want to help you real quick. And James writes this short little section of the letter and he goes, I want to help you fight these things. And here's some of the things in James chapter four, in case you haven't read it, and I know you will this week. He talks about fighting against jealousy, right? He talks about fighting jealousy. He talks about fighting incorrect motives, right? So jealousy is looking at and going, I want that, you know, and, and, and I'll give anything to get that, right? Incorrect motives. He says, at one point he says, you ask, but you don't get because you ask with the wrong motive in mind. Wow. The wrong motive in mind. God reminds me of the scripture in the Old Testament. He cares more about the heart than he does the external appearance. He cares more about what's on the inside. Incorrect motives. He, said, he talks about how to fight against pride. 
He talks about humility and having humility. He talks about fighting one another, going against one another. I think that's one we need to talk about today because the church would rather eat its own rather than support each other. The church would rather say, you don't worship like I worship, therefore, I'm not coming back. The church would rather say, you don't, you don't sing the songs that I like. Good, your name wasn't in the song anyway. Right? It wasn't to you. It wasn't written to you. It wasn't even sang to you. Sang to God. Right? Um, fighting one another. Uh, taking our lives. This is one that's really personal to me. I'm going to talk about it in a minute. But taking our lives for granted. Not really appreciating the vapor or the day that we get to live, however long that may be. Taking our lives for granted and doing what we want instead of what's right. How many of you know that sometimes the right thing is not the easy thing? Sometimes the right thing goes against the course that everybody else is going. It goes against the current. It goes against the grain, if you will. It, it's tough. It's difficult. It's not always easy. But the reality is, at least when it's tough, I can lay down and go, I still did what was right. I still did what was, what was right, what was good, what was pleasing in the eyes of God. And, and here's, here's the reality is we can't, and this is what James is teaching, we can't, hear me, ride the fence. We can't ride the fence. We can't have one foot in, one foot out. We can't go, I'm all in whenever the, the church does what I think it should do. Or I'm all out when the church doesn't. Or I'm all in when God answers my prayers the exact way I prayed them, or I'm all out when he doesn't. I, I'm all in whenever I'm feeling the goosebumps. Or I'm all out when I don't. I'm all in as long as everybody's all in with me. And I'm all out whenever they're not. I'm all in whenever life is good. And I'm all out whenever it's just tough. No, God goes, it's never both. You're either in or you're out, but you're never both. You can't be both. It's impossible to be both. And so we got to come to this place. And James is talking about this. we got to come to this place where we decide what gets our attention. We decide what gets our focus. And he talks about it throughout the chapter. But there's a few things I want to really hone in on real quick that he talks about in James chapter 4. And the first one that he talks about is the power to lean on God. To lean on God. I'm going to skip through the chapter a little bit today. But James chapter 4 and verse 4 says it like this. You adulteresses, do you not know, watch this, that friendship with the world is hostility towards God. Therefore, whoever wishes to be a friend of the world makes himself an enemy of God. Can we just leave that up for a minute? Let's break down the power of that verse. That's an insane verse to think about, isn't it? It's tough, and what, he, what James is telling us here is he's saying, listen, you got to understand, you can't be a friend of the world. Well, why is the world the topic there? Why is the world the subject? Because the Bible teaches us that the enemy, the devil, Satan, roams around on the earth seeking whom he may devour. So whenever that's alluded to in that way, it's not that the world that God created was bad. It's that the enemy is roaming around perversing and turning everything around to devour you, to eat your attention, to eat your focus, to eat your faith, and to take you out. In fact, John 10.10 10 says it like this. He says that um, the enemy comes to steal, kill, and destroy. 
But I, being Jesus, come to give life and life to the fullest. Listen, we got to understand, I talked about it last week, I'm going to talk about it again this week. We got to understand there is someone out there that wants you to fail. They do not, the enemy does not want you to make it. He doesn't want you to get to the finish line because a friendship with the world or friendship with the ways of the enemy is hostility towards God. It's like going to your wife or husband and saying, hey, don't worry about it. I just have this, like I love you and I'm committed to you and I signed the papers and we walked down the aisle, but I made this friend that is uh, prettier than you and uh, gets more of my attention than you will because they're more fun. And, and, and I just want you to know that it's okay. You don't have to be mad. It's no big deal. They're just a friend. And then you don't show up for a few days at home and they go, where are you? Well, I'm spending time with my friend. Well, what about spending time with me? Why are you so selfish? Nobody's spouse would be like, oh, that sounds like a great idea. Not one person in here. Everybody would be like, yeah, you pull that and see what happens. <laughs> Russian sickle right here. Let's go. Nikita Koloff back in the day. You know what I'm saying? Like, it's going to be bad. Macho man. Oh, yeah, I'll snap into something. You know what I'm saying? And so there's this, but we do it to God. We go, hey, God, there's this place at work. If you'll just give me like three months away from you so that I don't have to focus so much on you and I can climb the corporate ladder, then I'd be okay. And then we expect God to be like, oh, yeah, that's a great idea. I gave you the job anyway, but it's a great idea. A great idea. Just leave me alone. I don't need to be in the equation anymore. I was only at a, to begin with, I only started the job. He says it's a hostility toward God. And whoever wishes to be a friend of the world, watch this, makes themselves an enemy of God. Y'all, we got, we got to grab this stuff. James is giving it to us like black and white. There ain't no gray. He says you got to choose. Watch this. Here's a thought for you today. God doesn't want to be our last resort, but our first priority. God does not want to be our last resort. He wants to be our first priority. I woke up last night at about 2.30 a.m. And I woke myself up praying. And I woke myself up praying over you. And, and literally. And I woke myself up praying over this church. And I woke myself up praying over people that I know that are struggling with sickness and COVID and Things like that. I just began to, for about 30 minutes, I laid in my bed. And there was a part of me that was going, I really wish my mind would shut off so I can go to sleep. But the other part was like, God, I haven't woken up like this in a long time. But it feels really good to be talking to you in the middle of the night. And there was this, this thought hit me. Because this has been planned for weeks. This thought hit me. God is to be our first priority, not our last resort. When I go to God to bail me out, instead of going to God for direction, he's my last resort. When I go to God and say, hey, I tried it my way, man. Like, they said I should do this, and they said I should do that, and, and it didn't work out. And I just picture God sitting in his recliner, sitting back, Newton Sports Center for a minute, and looking at us and going, yeah, because you didn't even ask me. I already knew. If I'm the God you say I am, like... 
Why not come to me and then filter their opinions through me instead of me through their opinions? Why not filter that Facebook post through the kingdom instead of the kingdom through a Facebook post? What if? That's a novel idea, isn't it? God doesn't want to be our last resort. He wants to be our first priority. Hear me. You are not God's last resort. Well, I have to be. There's like billions of people on the earth. Yes. And he loves all of us so individually that the Bible says he knows how many hairs are on our head. Like, we talk to our kids about that because it teaches the vastness and the love of God, but do we think about that? Even when I shaved all my hair off, he knows how much hair is there. All of, some of you are like, that's not hard. I have none. He knows and he cares. You're not a last resort to him. In fact, in Matthew chapter 11, verses 28 uh, through 30, there's this statement that is made. And Jesus is talking to this group about coming to him and making him a priority and a focus. And here's what he says. And some of you need to take this to heart today. It's come to me, all who are what? Weary and heavy laden, and I will give you help. No, no, no. I will give you another book to read. No, no, no. I will give you a theology lesson. No, he says, come to me whenever you're tired and you're carrying the weight that you shouldn't carry and it's frustrating and it's difficult and it's hurtful and it's painful and, and, and you don't know what to do and you don't know where to turn and you have nobody else to turn to. He goes, I'm not going to preach at you. I'm not going to beat you over the head. I'm not going to tell you how wrong you are. I'm going to look at you and go, just lay back on my shoulder for a minute and let's just rest. Let's just sit here and let's just calm down. Yesterday, Cullen, I don't know what he did, but he did something that hurt my three-year-old, right? And he, he has this certain, y'all know what I'm talking about with young kids. He's, they have this certain scream that, that, that is at a different pitch. Now, he's got one anyway. I know that's what you're laughing at. But his is, when he gets hurt, it's like, oh, that's, that's not a good one. That's not him just making noise. So I go, you know what? I didn't go to him and go, why are you jumping on the bench? Of the table like that. Why are you doing that? I went and I picked him up and I held him tight and I sat in my recliner and he laid his head back on my chest and I held him and I said, You okay, Bubba? He said, Yeah. I said, Okay, just take a deep breath and here's what he does. And he was still crying a little bit. I said, It's okay. And then about five minutes later, I said, Hey, what happened? And he told me, and I said, well, you can't do that, dude. It's going to hurt. But before I ever corrected, I comforted. The Bible, Jesus doesn't say, come to me, all you who are weary and heavy laden, and I will teach you what to do and what you did wrong and how dare you. And no, he says, I love you so much that you're not a last resort that I'm going to beat up. You're a first priority that I'm going to love first. Because it hurts. That's Jesus. Hear me today. You may be in a place to where this world is driving you crazy. The news is driving you crazy. COVID's driving you crazy. Coworkers are driving you crazy. I'm just tired up for, of it all right now. I just want it all to go away. And here's what he says. When you're tired, when you're heavy laden, when it's tough, when it's frustrating, when it's difficult, come to me and I will comfort you. I will give you rest. We'll make it all okay. 
I love that. And then he goes on, take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I am gentle and humble in heart, and you will find rest for your souls. For my yoke is easy and my burden is light. I don't have time to get into the depth of that, but there's actually a lot of theological uh, uh, things in that very verse right there. But you just need to know we can lean on God and get rid of the distractions. Here's the, here's the second thing. Here's the second thing. We have to recognize, recognize. Look at somebody and say, you better recognize. <laughs> recognize his sacrifice. In verse 6 and verse 10 of James chapter 4, there's this statement James makes. And he says this, but he gives a greater grace. Therefore, it says, God is opposed to the proud, but gives grace to the humble. Skip down to verse 10. Humble yourselves in the presence of the Lord, and he will exalt you. And when I read that, I immediately, immediately thought of Hebrews chapter 10 in verse 19. And I love this verse. It says this. Therefore, brethren, since we have confidence, confidence to enter the holy place by the blood of Jesus. James says, hey, humble yourselves. Humble yourselves. Verse 10, humble yourselves in the presence of the Lord and he will exalt you. You know what the presence of the Lord is? The holy place. And they're referring to the Old Testament temple to where you had to be the holy of holies to even get back there through the veil. But here's the great thing. When Jesus died and rose again, the veil was torn in half because the Holy Spirit became available. And now we can walk into the holy place anytime with confidence. I don't have to walk in scared being like, hey, God, do you want me in here? Hey, God, I don't, I don't know if you want to. I know what I've done this week. Do you want me? No, we can walk in with confidence and be like, God, I screwed it up this week. Thank you for loving me. And I can hug him right back because his arms are always open. Since we can enter with confidence the holy place. And we have to recognize his sacrifice that through the blood of Jesus, through the sacrifice of Jesus, we have a hope and we have a purpose and we have a promise and we have redemption and we have love and we have grace and we have mercy. It is not through your acts. It is not through your heart. It is through his love and his sacrifice and his act on the cross that became everything that separated us from God. That's what we have the confidence of. And I know you may feel like, I don't know. I'm telling you, I know. You don't have to yet. I'm telling you, you know. I know. We have confidence to enter the throne of God. The holy place is available for you. Through the blood of Jesus, only by the blood of Jesus. And here's the thing about humility. Humility is not thinking less of yourself. Humility is not going, well, I'm not good enough. Well, I'm not okay. I can't preach like that or I can't serve like that or I can't do you know I'm just a, I'm just a nobody no you're not you're a son or a daughter of God Almighty you are somebody if you were a nobody Jesus's hanging on the cross would have been for nothing you are somebody reminds me of an old song we used to sing back as when I was a kids pastor I am somebody because God loves me I'm exit. All right, I'm done. Um, but for real. And the truth is, is like, we got to get to this place to where we don't matter because we're great. We matter because he's great. Humility isn't thinking less of myself. Humility is thinking of myself less. 
It's not about what I've done. Can I just be honest with you? I told somebody this the other day. <clears throat> I was in a meeting and I said this. We are not strong enough, smart enough, or good enough to destroy God's plans for this earth. Pull yourself down a little bit. Like, I didn't say they weren't being like prideful, but like let's pull ourselves down a little bit. You ain't good enough, smart enough, or strong enough to destroy God's plan for your life. The only thing that can destroy God's plan for your life, watch this, is if you never walk into it to begin with. That's why we, we don't just pray a prayer, but we submit our lives to God. We give it all to him. That's why there is no, I'm in, but I'm out. I'm in, but I'm, no, you're not. You're either in or you're out. And fight the distractions. And then, so we, we lean on God. We recognize the sacrifice. And then this is the one. I'm going to try not to preach too long because I know what time it is. It's this one. We got to change the world. Oh, how are we going to change the world? We're in Columbia, South Carolina. Oh, man. We change the world because we start with our city. We start with our zip code. We start with our area code. We start with our job. We start with our family. We start with our church. We start with the restaurants we go to. We change the world because we refuse to let anybody come into our presence without recognizing his sacrifice in all of our lives because he loves us all. James 4.14 says this. It is a life verse for your pastor. And it is this. He says, yet you do not know what your life will be like tomorrow. You are just a vapor that appears for a little while and then, watch this, vanishes. None of us know. None of us know how many days we have on this earth. You know what? Instead of bumming me out, that actually kind of fires me up. Every time I talk about this, I get a new fire in me. So I don't know how much I got, but I'm going to make what I got count. As Pastor Anthony Braswell preached at the beginning of July, I may not be able to count my days, but I can make my days count. Man, we can make a difference. Our life is a vapor. Watch this. Pastor Chris, can you help me for a minute as we close this thing out? man? Real quick. Were you going to sing? Okay, good. I was going to tell you not to. Hold that. All right. Here's what I want you to do. You have no idea what I'm about to do. I know you don't. <laughs> I just want you to hold on to that. But I want you to catch the rest of them. I have to hold it in my hands? Yes. Hold it in your hands. No cheating. Who do you think you are? Who do you think? I'm going to get Nick Saban on you. Catch him. Let's go. Come on. Come on. What's the problem, man? What's the problem? What's the problem? Huh? 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 What's going on? What's the problem? So you call... Oh, wait. Uh-huh. Okay. Okay. Uh -huh. <laughs> what happened? Why couldn't you catch them all? You got too much in your hands, don't you? What if you wanted to catch all those? What would you have to do? <laughs> you, could, you couldn't maneuver them that fast, could you? Watch this. A lot of us... We'll take that first ball, right? And let's say that first ball is our faith. And here's what happens. 
And I want you to catch them no matter what. If you got to drop one, drop it. Drop it if you got to. Come on. Yep. Uh-huh. Oh, oh, oh. Okay, that was some skills. I ain't going to lie. That was pretty good. Watch. What a lot of us do is we'll hold on to something. And then as everything else comes flying at us, Facebook, <laughs> work, the weight they're carrying that I don't have to, but I will anyway. Past pain, frustration. And what happens is we'll drop one in order to grab the other. And then by the time everything slows down and it all stops throwing at us and coming at us real fast, we stand back and go, this isn't what I was supposed to be holding. My life is a mess. Why, why, why am I more worried about what they're saying than I haven't read my Bible in two months? I, I quit going to church because, I mean, life. Yeah, Jesus. I haven't worshipped. I don't serve anymore. I'm mad at everybody. And it's the reason is, is because I'll drop what I should be holding on to to hold on to things that I should be dropping. And the distractions now become my focus rather than my focus becoming God. And I just want to, thank you, buddy. I just want to tell you today, it doesn't have to be that way. In fact, last one, James 4, 7 says it like this. James 4, 7. Submit, therefore, to God. <laughs> Resist the devil. So watch this. Don't grab things you don't need to be grabbing. Sometimes we need to let things fall. Sometimes somebody else needs to figure out their problems instead of you figuring them out. Sometimes your problems you need to drop and let God fix them instead of you trying to. Resist the devil. And then what's he say? And he will run and stick around. <laughs> he gone. And he will flee from you. Why is the enemy attacking me so much? I don't know. Have I resisted him? Have I let him hit his head on the ground? Have I shown him he's not getting my attention? That he ain't my primary focus? Because watch this. He doesn't have to defeat you if he can distract you. Because if he can distract you, he don't have to worry about your focus. He already knows where it's at. Last thought, and I'm closing and praying. And it's a phrase you know. God loves you right where you are. But way too much to leave you there. And some of you walked in today. And you're carrying everybody else's distractions. And, and you don't even know what the Bible says because you don't have time for it. You don't know God's voice because you don't have time to listen. And I'm not fussing at you about it because we all get there. But what I am telling you is this. Sometimes we need to hold on to what we're supposed to hold on to and let everything else fall. And I promise you, 
God draws close no matter what. He loves you. And if we'll hold on to him and we'll just kind of squeeze him and just, God, I ain't got this, this thing right. I know you men are like, I ain't masculine. We'll squeeze him. Well, fine, give him nuts. I don't know. But God wants to embrace us like a father. and says, give me your attention because I gave you mine. And I love you that much. And I love you entirely too much to leave you where you are. And if you'll come with me, you'll go on a journey that you'll never regret. And that is defeating distractions. Lean on God. Recognize the sacrifice. And make your vapor count. If you would bow your heads with me today. If you're in the room and you'd like to give your life to Jesus today. And you'd love for, to submit your life. You want to be all in with Jesus. His sacrifice and his forgiveness. A new life with him. If that's you, would you just throw your hand up right where you are. Pastor, I want to give my life to Jesus today. Amen. I want to pray over you before we go out and change the world today. Father, we honor you and worship you. Distractions come, and you know they come. They come so, they, they just come so wildly and so crazy and all the time. God, I just pray that we would not lose our grip on you. And we would not, would not ever lose our grip on you, God, but we would be focused on you and your word and your son and your grace and your forgiveness and your love and your mercy. God, don't let us be overwhelmed by distractions anymore. But let us be overwhelmed by your love and your embrace. I pray life change today. Let us walk out of here. Let us get in your word. Let us submit to you and help us re resist the devil and watch him flee. God, we honor you and worship you. Come on, make some noise for Jesus in this room. Amen. Amen. Real quick. Just want to invite you as you're leaving to, to remind you that next week we have our life groups kickoff. Make sure you're here, all three services. It's going to be a great party, a lot of fun, amazing message. God's going to do some amazing things. Hey, grab your invites on the way out. Every invite is an opportunity to change a life. Grab your invites. Invite some people to come back with you next week and the week after and the week after. Invite them to come be with you in church. I love you. Let's go change the world. Woo!